0: And we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, oh man, week six of college football brought a lot of noteworthy stuff to happen going into week number seven. A couple of upsets, a big shit couple shakeups in the top 25 polls, and realistically, another good, fun weekend of college football, but... I don't even know where you can start with all the, you know, the chaos that happened this past weekend. And now looking forward to week number seven, we're getting very close to the end of this college football regular season. Yeah, it's starting to shape up now that we know which
1: teams are pretty much going to make the playoffs, kind of have been blocked in. Uh, One team in particular kind of just sealed their fate this past weekend, another one there was a big hiccup. They could still make the college football playoffs, but they made it a lot harder for themselves. But right. we're starting to see which teams are finally legit. Uh, a couple teams I called out, which I said they have to really start playing up to their competition, not down to their competition. They greatly improved, so I'm I'm happy to see that. But, yeah, another great weekend of football.
0: Yeah, and I think overall, like, as I said, it's really tough to nitpick where you can even start. With some of these games, but I think where we have to start is with the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. That's where College Game Day was this weekend. A lot of hype going into the game, obviously. Texas going into this this game. Third-ranked team in the country. A lot of people have them in the college football playoff. And they're facing an Oklahoma team that, let's face facts, last season was really bad for them. Texas demolished them last season, 49 to nothing. And the Sooners wanted some revenge, and they've been playing some good football to start the season going into this game. They were 5-0, 12th-ranked team in the country. Gotta give the Sooners some props in this one. Had a 10-point lead in the second half, but Texas was able to make it a comeback and able to take the lead very late in the game. But unfortunately for the Longhorns, their defense down the stretch of that final drive really hurt them at the end of the day. Oklahoma goes down the field in just five plays and a minute and two seconds, 75 yards. Gets a go ahead touchdown with 15 seconds left, and they pull off a big time—I guess you could say—upset, beating the Texas Longhorns 34 to 30. Most likely, effectively eliminating Texas's chances of making the college football playoff, barring any um, big time upsets the next couple of weeks of this college football season. But the Sooners now—they have now entered the conversation of making the college football playoff. We'll talk about the AP Top 25 poll. Later on the show, but a big monumental win for this Oklahoma team. Brett Venable, second year at the helm at Oklahoma. Year one was bad, as I mentioned, but year two has been off to a great start.
1: Yeah, great, great game for Oklahoma. The last time this game being held in the Big 12, really, really big comeback. Um, we had said Oklahoma looked pretty good. However, the problem with Oklahoma always was uh, they just started off lower in the poll. And this isn't a knock on them, but they hadn't beaten anyone actually that high up. For, for example, Texas had the Alabama win, which looks like a good win right now. Where Oklahoma, they took care of business. I remember, I, I, and I stress this a lot, you play who's in front of you. So they had uh, wins, big wins against Arkansas State, uh, Tulsa, Iowa State, you know, 30 you know, 40-point wins against those teams. And then they had closer wins against SMU and Cincinnati. So this was Oklahoma's first big test, and they passed with flying colors. It it, it was a back-and-forth game. Unfortunately, Quinn Ewers cost him this game. He got off to a really slow start, throwing he two did. picks. Um, I know he finished the game really strong, but that mental lapse for about 5-10 minutes ended up costing him the game.
0: Yeah, a slow start to this to the game for the Texas offense. They were able to pick it up in the second half. But at that point in time, yes, Texas does take the lead with about a minute and two seconds left. But as I mentioned, they also gave the Oklahoma offense enough time to go down the field. And remember, the new college football rule is under two minutes in the second and fourth quarter. The clock stops after a first down, giving the team an opportunity to set up a play and get down the field. And Texas's defense on that entire drive also was playing very far back and giving Oklahoma plenty of time to get a good completion and get some big time yardage. And they did it in just five plays and getting 75 yards. So a lot to blame for Texas in this game. A slow start from yours, the bad defensive drive of the final drive of the game. And now you have to look at it as for Texas, you're still in the top 10, the AP poll, but You're going to need to win out the rest of the season, and you're probably going to play this Oklahoma team once again in the Big 12 championship, and how fitting would it be for these two teams to meet one more time in the Big 12 in the championship game before they both go to the SEC next season. So there's still a lot on the line for both of these teams, but for the Sooners, they get a monumental win. Now go into the top 10, into the top five as well in the AP Top 25 polls. They look really good right now. I, when ter- in terms of their schedule as well, and as long as they're able to stay undefeated going into that Big 12 championship game, they have a realistic shot of making the college football playoff now.
1: Yeah, I mean, still, like you mentioned, Texas can still take care of business, and they if they meet in the uh, Big 12 championship game, if Oklahoma's undefeated, Texas beats them. I'm sorry to say, but uh, Texas still has a chance to get, make the Big 12 championship and be really sour for Oklahoma, but that's the only way Texas gets in right now, like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, Texas cannot afford another loss the rest of the season, so they have to win out, and they have to get to that Big 12 championship game and beat Oklahoma this time. I think if you're a Texas
1: fan, uh, which I'm not, you would be happy after the last probably decade just to be in the conversation uh, two months into
0: the season. It has been a while since Texas has been in this spot. Remember, it's been probably 20 years the last time they were in the national championship game was 2009 and they played that Alabama team. That's when Cole McCoy infamously got injured in the game, didn't play the rest of the game and Alabama would take advantage of, would win that national championship. So it's been a while since Texas has been in the conversation to be in that national ch- title as pitcher. And this loss really puts a damper into their season, but there's still light at the end of the tunnel for them. If they are able to win out and win that big 12 championship. So We'll have to see what they can do the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, if you're a Texas fan, don't worry about it. Uh, Regroup. Just take care of your business. Play who's in front of you. You're going to get to the Big 12 title game as long as you
0: take care of business and relax a little bit. Right. So we'll have to see what happens down the rest of the season. But let's go into our next game, and there will be two teams that Oklahoma and Texas will be seeing in the SEC as of next season. we got LSU taking on Missouri. And another game for the LSU Tigers, Johnson, in which they had to put up a lot of points just to win this one. They hold on for a 49-39 win over the Missouri Tigers, handing Missouri their first loss of the season. And LSU still has a chance to make the SEC championship game. They did lose to Ole Miss. They still have to play Alabama. So there's still a realistic shot of LSU making a New Year's Six Bowl with a if they're able to win out the rest of the season. But... Defense is still a looming issue for the team. They do get the big win over the Tigers, but overall for LSU, their offense has looked good. The defense has been a struggle, but they're still in. They still have a chance at the SEC cha- championship game.
1: So I love how you mentioned this was this game was for a New Year's Six bowl. I hate how you beat me too because that was, was going to be my point of this. Um, I apologize. Missouri looking like the uh, hey no no worries about it. Uh, Missouri's look looked very strong, probably one of their strongest years since they joined the SEC, at least football-wise. I know they had a couple good years with the basketball team, but like you said, LSU can still make the SEC championship game as long as they beat Alabama, uh, which we will talk about later in this show. But LSU looking like a, uh, I would say, improved team because they got off to a pretty poor start. Uh, Missouri kind of really kicked their ass in the first quarter, and pretty much until late in the second quarter, you think LSU would have been dead on arrival. They really looked lost for the majority of the first half, but they come out swinging towards the end of the second quarter, and, man, just at the end of the game, in the the second half, it was completely different. It it was flipped upside down, the momentum. It was all LSU that second half, and, man, it those LSU better happy because not only did they win, but they covered.
0: They did, and you think about it as well when it comes down to it for LSU, Um, They had those two losses to Florida State and Ole Miss. But with the one conference loss, they're still in line for that SEC championship game. They still have the Alabama game looming the rest of the season. But for Missouri, you can't, you know, be too upset. This is a game where no one was expecting them to be undefeated. No one was expecting them to be ranked. And they put up a fight with LSU. And that's all you really can ask for out of your team. They fought until the very last possession they have another big game upcoming this weekend with another SEC-ranked opponent, which we'll preview later on in the show. But not a bad showing for the Missouri Tigers, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Missouri's still looking strong. I believe they're still ranked as well, if I'm not mistaken. They are not ranked anymore. Oh, they fell out of it.
0: They I did, mean, there's, unfortunately. There's, a,
1: there's another team that should have fell out besides them, but uh, we'll get into that one later.
0: Yeah, I... I... And that's still, not against
1: the players. That's just based
0: on pure coaching. I am still dumbfounded by the coaching decision of that team that you're, that you're alluding to. And we will talk about that in a little bit. But you did, you know, I know how much you love the Pac-12 football, and what they've done this season. And we got to talk about this next game between the Washington State Cougars going on the road into the Rose Bowl, taking on the UCLA Bruins. And this was kind of a trap game for Washington State. They were going on the road. They were underdogs going into this game. And unfortunately for them, just a really bad second half, and especially in the fourth quarter, cost them this game as the Bruins hand them their first conference loss of the season and their first loss of the regular season as they hold on to win this one 25-17. Cameron Ward did really struggle for the Cougars in this one, 19-39, 197 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. And the Bruins' defense did just enough to win this game Getting them to four and one, and now one and one in conference play. So a tough defeat for Wazoo, who was having a really good start to the season.
1: Yeah, Wazoo was red hot. First loss of the season. You can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but uh, looks like Chip Kelly has a team. He, yeah. I mean, listen, Chip Kelly has a squad. I listen. I was really counting out UCLA this entire year, but I guess this shows you how deep the Pac-12 really is. I think the bottom of the Pac-12 is better than the bottom of the SEC
0: right now. I'm not saying a lot. That is saying a lot. I will I will admit, admit that. Um, But we'll talk about the top 25 polls, and there's a lot of Pac-12 teams now involved. I believe all now. the teams that we saw last week are still in there, and that's now including UCLA, who gets into the top 25 polls after this win over Washington State. And UCLA, keep in mind, they have another big game this upcoming weekend facing Oregon State, and – if they want to have a chance at the Pac-12 championship, they really could use a win on the road against the Beavers. Both teams have one loss already in conference play. So a loss would effectively, uh, most likely, would end their chances of a Pac-12 championship bid. So it's a huge game at stake for both of those teams this coming Saturday. This is to sound really
1: bad, but I, you know I think the measuring stick between the SEC and the Pac-12 is currently? Go ahead. I think it's Auburn and California.
0: Oh god! And they played a really bad game about a about a couple weeks ago. I don't know yeah, when exactly, I mean, but it was really bad.
1: I know. So that's kind of a measuring stick. If you want to talk about the very bottom of the conference, um, it's it's
0: bad, but it's close. Yeah, and if you if you're an Auburn fan to be compared to that, as it's, it's been dark days for you right now. Hmm. But. Need that as it may, we'll move on to our next game of our schedule. and Let's talk about the Alabama-Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M game, uh, Johnson. Do we have to? I know. It's, unfortunately for you, a tough loss for the Aggies. Had a chance to win this one, but Alabama had a big second half and was able to hold on by a final of 26-20. to This is just a tough defeat for Texas A&M. They really fought until the very end. They kept it close. They forced Alabama to throw the football, and Jalen Moreau, to his credit, did have himself a really strong game. Probably his best game of the season, 21-33, three three touchdowns and an interception. That Bama defense, though, a huge reason why they were able to win this game. And they now go to 5-1 in the season. They're still undefeated in conference play. And they're still looming just outside of the top 10 in the AP Top 25 poll. So they still have an outside chance to make the college football playoff. They'll still need to win out the rest of the season. I would say they do because you got to look at the rest of the top 25 poll. you got Oregon and Washington playing this week. That will help Alabama move up in the poll. If Notre Dame was to beat USC, that will help them move up in the poll. And if Oklahoma or any of the teams above them were to lose mm-hmm. – Remember, all these teams have to play each other at some point. Ohio State and going I know. It's gonna
1: be, they're going to cannibalize each other. That, that, right. That's what happens every single year. And again, I know this is college football, but we talk about this in Big East basketball. It's the cannibalization of the conference that happens every single year. All these guys thought out so strong. There's probably five or six teams in the top 25. Uh, by the end of non-conference play, there might be six, maybe a seventh team, kind of knocking on the door. And by the end of the year, there's three teams in there, and people wonder what happened. Well, they all beat each other up, and that's what's going to happen to the Big 12, the SEC. See in the Big Ten, um, and that's what kind of leaves the door wide open for Alabama, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and Alabama, you got to look about it going into the next couple games. They, I've, after they play Arkansas this week, they have ranked games against Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky, two of those three games being at home, and with the other teams above them playing each other at some point in the, the next couple of weeks, that will help Alabama get back up into the college football standings and can get them one step closer. They they can't afford to lose again, as we mentioned, and they have to make the SEC championship game because if they can't make the the conference championship game, they won't have a chance. So they definitely need to win out the rest of the season. So there is still hope for the Crimson Tide to make that college football playoff, uh, and hanging on in this game definitely certainly helps them going into the next week and going into their remaining conference schedule in this 2023-2024 season.
1: Yeah, one thing I do want to talk about is Max Johnson. He, um, I think he looked pretty good because Alabama is a good defense. And for, like yeah. I said, you can win with Max Johnson. It's not like he was a terrible backup. I think if they had Connor Wegman, I think they would have won that game.
0: The, that's definitely a debate. Absolutely. But yeah,
1: Jalen Milrow, like you said, looked great. He's really improving each and every week. And it's not like the SEC, the Texas A.M. defense is that bad. It's a, uh, I would say a formidable defense. And it's not really. It's gonna. Yeah. They're not gonna blow you away. They're not gonna beat you with their defense. But they're no. Uh, no pushovers either.
0: Right. Absolutely. I, te- Texas A&M. That's why they were a close. You know, underdog in this game. It pretty much was almost a pick 'em going into this one, and they kept the their line close throughout move. the entire
1: game. It did move to minus one Alabama at one point, which is as close as it got to a pick 'em. But right. uh, unfortunately, no pick 'em, and Alabama gets the win. My Aggies had to go home. So, unfortunately, maybe next year we'll get a Texas A&M National uh, National Championship, but not this year.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, but they're going to need to still keep recruiting. That's been a problem for them these last couple of years. And it's going to be tough. Remember, with Oklahoma and Texas, that will bring more competition into the SEC for the Aggies. So, I'm curious to see what will happen to them in the next couple of years. Because all these teams are starting to get really good, and it's going to be really tough for them. Because it's going to be a dogfight for any team in that SEC conference.
1: No, you're not wrong. And uh, this is why the SEC is going to be so great. It's going to be the premier football conference. But I will stress this again. Football should be its own separate entity. There's no reason why the baseball – I mean, guess maybe the baseball team. But these smaller teams, let's say like uh, track and field or lacrosse or right. volleyball, these the non money makers of the university, there's no reason why we should see um, – Texas AM lacrosse uh playing a team halfway across the country. There's absolutely no like we'll talk about the ACC too. There's no reason why teams in California and teams in New York should be playing each other for like um these non televised big time sports. Right. It's a whole separate entity. And I think we'll figure that out in about five years or so when the uh the athletic department's realizing they're gonna start ha- having to start cutting things, but we neither here nor there yet.
0: Well, Speaking of the SEC, we have to talk about a big game in the SEC this week and a big-time statement made by one of the powerhouses in that conference, that being the reigning defending two-time champion Georgia Bulldogs. Man, we had talked about how Georgia was having a rough season. They had not covered a game in all five games this season. They had not covered the spread in each of them. They were not a first-half team we had mentioned, and they realistically always had to come back in the second half to win some of their games. They didn't have to do that this week against Kentucky. They jumped out to a 34-7 lead going into the halftime, and they pretty much dominated both sides of the ball, winning this game by a final of 51-13. Carson Beck, by far, having his best game as a college uh, quarterback, 389 yards passing on 28-35 completion percentage, uh, four touchdowns, an interception in this game. He had a monster day for this Georgia Bulldog offense, and they put up... By far their best offensive game of the season, they finally silenced some of the doubters that they had most of this year, and they get a huge statement win over the Kentucky Wildcats.
1: Yeah, it feels like Texas, uh, Texas AMGs. Georgia looked straight into my soul and said, "No, we're for real." And yeah. a good, a very good football team in Kentucky got completely dismantled. Uh, I don't know what it what it was. Like I said, I figured by week six or week seven, you would see a lot of these teams begin to click, and we a lot of this criticism can stop, and they proved me wrong. I'm glad to see Georgia kind of rebound, and maybe they can look for that third national championship now.
0: Yeah, and this is really big for them going into the next couple of weeks. I mean, getting a big win like that gives your team some confidence, considering all the doubters that they have had so far in the season. And – you look at their schedule, not many big time tests for them down the rest of the year. The biggest games they have on schedule are home against Ole Miss and at Tennessee. So Georgia's got a really good path going into the rest of the season. And obviously if they are able to win out, they would be going to the SEC championship game, maybe a potential battle with Alabama in that SEC championship game. If both teams were able to win out the rest of the season, but Georgia makes a huge statement in this one, beating Kentucky in the fashion that they did. Now they go in to their next game, I believe, against Vanderbilt. Could be wrong about that. But they now go to 6-0 and in the season, 3-0 and in conference play, and by far having their best game of the season to date.
1: Yeah, Georgia looked really good. Um, I-, I can't believe that if they would have stopped scoring after the first quarter, this game would have been over. Yeah. Like, if Georgia said, okay, we're going to park it right here, just run the ball, you know, yada, yada, and we're done, Uh game would have been over. It wouldn't even right. have been close. And that, uh, that speaks to Georgia's dominance at this point in, uh, in college football. It, it It's just such a well-oiled machine that anything they can do, it does not matter at this point. It, it finally looks like their quarterback is working. It, it looks like their defense is working. Um, Carson Beck, he kind of looked like, did he look like him? I mean, he looked uh, like the
0: quarterback that Georgia fans have been waiting for.
1: Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's him. I mean, very slow start to the season, but this was a big time test, and he stepped up the plate. So I'm happy for Georgia fans everywhere,
0: kind of. Right. Well, maybe you are, but some other people are not. So we'll see if uh, Carson can continue his success after this scheme. But from one Georgia team to another, Johnson, like we got to talk about this Georgia Tech and Miami game. By far, maybe the biggest blunder of head coaching I've time. ever seen in my entire life. No, this uh, is. I don't would know. Would you like an to an paint n- the picture of what happened in this game at the end, All or right. would you like me to paint
1: the picture? So I think I can manage painting the picture for you and for okay. the listeners at home. Imagine you have a coach of any team. It could be your son or your daughter's basketball team, you know, baseball team, softball. You could be coaching high school, college. Think NFL, any single level of professional sports. You have a guaranteed victory, right? It is 40 seconds left on the clock or 38 seconds, and the runoff will be 40 seconds. So you could just sit there, hold the ball, not do anything. All you have to do is snap the ball, kneel down with it,
0: and you're golden. What would you do in that situation, Nick? Oh, well, I would take the knee and just let the clock run out. Just, you know, if something happens, it happens. But there's not going to be much time on
1: that. Maybe it's your first time ever looking at a professional sport like this. So it's very possible that you're not familiar with the outcomes. So with that being said... (laughs) Maybe you would think, oh, why don't I just try to score more points? Well, scoring more points in this situation wouldn't do anything. But you run the risk now of fumbling the ball, and that being it, your season is now over. Now, you would think as a professional head coach that has done this for decades of his life would just know to take the knee and move on and take the, take the win and be undefeated, maybe even be top 15 in the AP poll after this week. Right. But what did he do? He decided well, to run the ball, he yeah. fumbled, and then they score. Uh a game that they had a ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance of winning. They lost.
0: I mean, it might have been the biggest gander or goof of the game. This is the biggest blunder eight. of all time. And this I've is from I've a guy that Mario... Any- yeah, go ahead. At, at any level of sp- of of sporting,
1: of, uh, whether it is a pee wee football team or it's a youth, sp- it could be a t ball league. This is egregious. That is, this is something that I think should be get you blacklisted from any position wh- whatsoever.
0: And this is a guy, Mario Cristobal, who is the head coach of Miami, where a, a lot of people, you know, say he's one of the better coaches in. He was college football. He and was, then, but when you can make a, a
1: blunder like this, you have to think. Like, this is this is worse than Kyle Shanahan's performance in the Super Bowl.
0: It really, it's so bad for Miami, considering the facts of what happens in this game, what the impact is, because they lose their first game of the season, and not only do they lose their first game, it's also a conference game. So now they fall to 0-1-1, and you're right. They could have gone to 5-0. They could have probably be in the top 15 in the AP Top 25 poll. and. By the by, the grace you know, by the thankfulness of the AP Top Twenty Five poll, they kept Miami in the poll, even though I don't agree that they should. But yeah, Wyoming did get framed. You you could make definitely make the case for that, so I won't disagree with you on that part. But man, this was just a big time blunder from the Hurricanes at a great opportunity to get a big win at home and hold on because they were struggling throughout most of that game, but were able to come back and take the lead. But they let the game go right away from them they give Georgia Tech a big win on the season and now they're going to have remember they have still still have to play um for state at some point this season if they want to have an opportunity to play for that ACC championship game and they also have to play North Carolina if i'm not mistaken as well they and do. Now, they and, do. Now, and also Louisville i have to, i almost forgot them so this was a game you couldn't afford and man it's just you cannot have afforded to, wait to lose the way you did, and unfortunately for the Hurricanes, that's exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, their season is now over, and that's kind of a weird sentence, but in the world of college football, uh, it, it hits you fast. That's the problem. It, it really does hit you fast, and unfortunately, uh, they are on the wrong side of it today, and because of this, their season's now over.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's going to be – if they're able to win out, they they can make the ACC championship, sure, but it's not going to be easy. It will not be easy for You're going this 25 team. to 4. Uh, you know what? Even if they beat
1: Florida State, if a loss like that, I wouldn't put them in because we're we'll going to talk about Florida State in a little bit. They haven't been looking great either.
0: Right. Yeah, they had a little bit of a scare early on in their game against Virginia Tech. But speaking of scares, how about USC and what they had last night against Arizona? The Wildcats really gave USC a big time problem early on in this game. The Trojans at one point were down seventeen to nothing, I believe, in the first quarter. Or maybe early on in the second quarter. So it was a seventeen nothing lead for Arizona at one point in this game. And USC had to fight their way back and barely hang on to win it forty three to forty one the final in double overtime or in, I yes, it wasn't double overtime. So man <laughs> or triple overtime. I can't. I'm just sorry, I'm just all over it's a the lot place of to overtime. Come to it come
1: down from back 17,
0: though. Yeah. Nonetheless, they, they had to play this game into triple overtime and barely hang on. They got a two-point conversion. And obviously, remember, with the new college rules, after the second overtime, it's only two-point conversions from there on in. And at, USC was able to get their stop. Caleb Williams got the two-point conversion for the game winner. The Trojans, they barely hang on in this one. They have to be counting their, their blessings that they're able to win this game. Stay undefeated. And they've got a big-time showdown in South Bend this weekend with the Fighting Irish, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. But if you're USC, is that a big problem now going into this game with Notre Dame that you barely hung on to win this game? What do they do now from here?
1: Uh, USC? Well, this was their trap game. And they did not lose their trap game, so uh, they're going to handle business as usual. They're going to go on because they were looking forward towards Notre Dame. They clearly got caught. Uh, looking ahead, and it didn't bite them in the ass. So now they can just kind of go, thank God, and uh, hopefully, or as they hope, to beat Notre Dame next week.
0: Yeah, they really, really need to try to see if they could beat Notre Dame. It's going to be a road game. It will not be easy for the Trojans, but they have. They are very grateful that they were able to win this game, despite the fact that how badly they played in the first, most of that, the first half of this game against Arizona credit to the Wildcats and how they played in this one. They just were not able to get it done and pull off a major, major upset in the AP top 25 poll. But there was a team that was able to pull off a huge upset this week. And that was the Louisville Cardinals who were at home against the 10th ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish Louisville had just entered the top 25 polls at number 25 and This game was a slow start for both teams. It was a 7 7 game at half. Louisville had just missed a field goal going into halftime that would have given them the lead. But man, the Cardinals had a huge second half off the back of Jawar Jordan. He goes for 21 carries, 143 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. And Louisville, with a monster upset, making a statement and beating Notre Dame by a final of 33 20. Rough game for Sam Hartman. Two touchdowns, three interceptions. And a fun stat that I saw, Johnson. This is the second straight year that Louisville has beaten a top 10 team in the AP Top 25 poll. And if you don't remember, last year this Louisville team beat number 10 Wake Forest, and Wake Forest's quarterback at the time was Sam Hartman. That's now back-to-back years they have knocked off Sam Hartman and ended his team's chance of a college football playoff berth. Yeah, really, really
1: sad for Sam Hartman because I do feel for him. I thought he was an early Heisman candidate. Still believe in him a lot. But uh, would you like to mention the Louisville quarterback?
0: Oh, you know I would. And uh, I love seeing guys like this that are from, you know, former quarterback. Exactly. The lineage of their father's history. Jack Plummer, the quarterback of the Louisville Cardinal, former quarterback of the NFL, Jake Plummer. Obviously, there's lineage in his family. And Jack Plummer did just enough in this game to help Louisville win it. Did throw a touchdown. Only seven incompletions on the day for him. And against a very good Notre Dame defense for the most part, but they did struggle a lot against the run in this game that hurt them at the end of the day. And now they're officially out of any college football playoff berth. And now they're looking to just play spoiler, and they could do that this week in their game against USC. But just a disappointing couple of weeks for the Fighting Irish. They lose that heartbreaker to Ohio State. They barely hung on to beat Duke, and now they lose in a really tough fashion against Louisville.
1: Now, do you think Jack Plummer has a chance to even make the NFL? I know he's not really on a board right now because of his, uh, yeah, he's had a journeyman pass, uh, Anyone who's familiar with Aiden O'Connell, which I believe is the uh, the backup right now for the Las Vegas Raiders, with Jimmy Garoppolo being out, he's now the starter. Uh, if you remember Jack Plummer, he was the starter for that Purdue Boilermakers team, but he got benched a couple of games into that season in favor of Aiden O'Connell. And he's been a journeyman since. He spent one more year at Purdue trying to get his starting job back. Realized, you know what? Let me go transfer. He goes to Cal. Doesn't really work out there. Now he's on an undefeated Louisville Cardinals team with a chance to rewrite his own college history. And man... I really hope he can do it.
0: Yeah, hopefully he can. And, man, he makes a big-time statement as as well as Jawar Jordan. They both were huge for Louisville in this game. They now go to 6-0 and in the season. And they get a huge jump up in the AP Top 25 poll. And dare I say, they're a dark horse now to maybe make the college football playoff if they're able to keep winning. At the it, fashion is they are. Dark,
1: it is a very dark horse, then, because I don't really have him penciled in unless they could really dominate the rest of his well, schedule. What in, I mean by dominate,
0: I mean really mean dominate. Well, keep in mind, look at their schedule the rest of the season. They have ranked games against Duke, my, at Miami, and then home against Kentucky. And if they're able to win out, they would play in the ACC Championship game and most likely would take on Florida State. So that presents an opportunity for Louisville, and that's crazy to say that that's a possibility, but that gives them a chance, maybe, if they're able to keep winning these games and get to that spot late in the season to potentially play for an ACC championship game against Florida State. That maybe could become a point of where it could be a win and in for one of those two teams to maybe make the college football playoff. Yeah, Crazy no, I to-, to say that.
1: I totally agree with you, but they've had a very weak schedule up until that Notre Dame I game. I agree. But here's the thing you want to have the week scheduled to start off you don't want to start off with your hard team with the hard teams because you're not really firing off on all cylinders seems like they've really come t- into form now and like you said they could write their own history they could potentially have good wins against Notre Dame Duke Miami Kentucky and the winner of the in the ACC championship game which is probably Florida State uh, to me that's about Five quality wins, maybe four and a half, depending on how Duke does the rest of the season. Uh, right. Depending on how you view Miami, but they do have that outside chance. And like I said, talk to me in a couple of weeks because it's a lot easier said than done. Because they have to run through a gauntlet for the next couple. Of oh months. yeah, no,
0: abs- absolutely. I think no one really is going to give Louisville any credit, and they're not going to pay- be like, oh yeah, this is a team that we, you know, we knew this was going to happen. Like everyone now is noticing after last after last night's game. Oh. Louisville played a pretty solid game. And to the other's part of it, Notre Dame looked really, really bad at the end of the day. Their offense really struggled. Their defense couldn't stop the run. And that's been a problem for the Irish this season. And that's why it cost them an opportunity to make the college football playoff. And now for Louisville, they're looking at it as, hey, listen, why not? We have, we really can't you know, be upset with how the season has gone. We're still undefeated. We're now going into a spot where we're 14th in the country and we're undefeated and if we stay this way we can maybe make the college football playoff as the biggest dark horse left in the standings.
1: Yeah, but enough about dark horses and let's go finish it up with our top 25 poll reaction. Uh lots of changes in that top 25 poll and I'm going to let you take the lead on this, Nick.
0: Yeah, and we, you talked you spoke about it. there was a lot of, you know, tri- major, you know, moving up and moving down for some of these teams in this top 25 poll. Um top three stayed the same with Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. Florida State moved up a spot as well. I, I'm sorry. Ohio State also moved up. I forgot that Texas was number three. So one and two stayed the same. Ohio State and Florida State took advantage of the Texas loss and moved up a spot. So now if the college football playoff were to happen today, it would be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. But we have a new contender now in the race for the college football playoff. And as I mentioned, the Oklahoma Sooners now jumped up seven spots. After they win over Texas, they are now the number five team in the country. So they have now entered the race for this college football playoff. And then rounding out the top 10, you have sixth ranked Penn State, number seven Washington, number eight Oregon. And keep in mind, Washington will play Oregon this week. So one of those two teams, college football playoff dreams most likely will end after this weekend. Texas dropped six spots, the number nine. So they still have a chance, but they'll still need to do some work. We'll have to win out the rest of the way and win the Big Big 12 Championship to make the College Football Playoff. And rounding out the top 10 was USC. They did win, but it was a close win. So they did fall a couple spots in the polls. They now will look to rebounce bounce back this upcoming weekend against the Fighting Irish on the road. Um, What also stood out to you overall throughout the top 25 polls, other than the top 10 that I just spoke about?
1: Oh man, uh, can I just talk about in general, like just in general? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I, I I hate how certain teams, if they win, but they don't win in a convincing fashion, it's enough for them to get dropped. But if certain unnamed teams, which I will not mention right now, if they win but it's not convincing fashion, uh, they will not get dropped. That's what I hate about the AP poll, and and it, and it happened again this week, and I, it just really shows the I, I you know what I really think it is, the vast majority of people who vote do not deserve ballots. I, I, I'm under the firm belief that a large majority of voters simply just keep the same four or five teams ranked between one to four, and they don't even change anything on a week-to-week basis. I'm convinced. that I am I'm convinced at this point.
0: Hey, listen, you wouldn't be the first person to say that, but keep in mind also what comes down to it. That's, a lot of people say the same thing about you know the Hall of Fame for any major sport where – they say that people should take should get their ballots taken away because of how poorly well, they vote. It's really just like the baseball
1: that. Hall of Fame because every other Hall of Fame is fine.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean Canton is fine. Uh, the, uh, the Naismith Hall of Fame is fine. It's really just Cooperstown that needs major
0: restructuring, in my opinion. Yeah, but being there as is, as in May, um, the college football playoff. Uh, top, AP top 25 poll did have some other shakeups. We saw Louisville, I mentioned, moved up 11 spots from 25 to 14 now. As I mentioned, they might be a dark horse now to maybe make the college football playoff if they were able to win out. Washington State dropped down six spots. They are actually tied with Tennessee with the 19th ranked uh, ranking in this top 25 poll. So you, really don't really, you don't see that too often. Don't see it too often, but sometimes the AP does do that where they'll have two teams just you know, ranked at the same thing and just say, you know what? We kind of see you two teams as similar, so we're just going to put you in that same spot. It's the
1: culmination of dozens of voters, uh, all giving them a different point ranking and being the
0: exact same. So kind of crazy it happens. Right. And the others, you know, we have some also two newcomers now into the top 25. We saw UCLA after beating Washington State. They are now 18th in the country. And, Johnson, they are back. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, number 23 Kansas, back in the top 25 polls this week. After their dominant win over UCF, I was very happy to see that, but a certain team ruined the fun for me this weekend, and I already we already spoke about that team, so I do not want to mention that who they are. But they know what they've done, and they have pained me enough for the rest of the season, which, which I will not be wanting to take them for any... Um, favorable matchups let's put it that way so jayhawks are back in the top 25 polls and they still have a chance at making the big 12 championship if they're able to win out i believe they still have to play oklahoma at some point this season and if they're able to beat the sooners that will give them an opportunity to potentially make that big 12 championship game but as we mentioned, a lot of movement that we saw in this AP Top 25 poll, and now creates a whole new conversation for who maybe gets into the college football playoff with a couple more weeks left in the season. But with that being said, I think
1: it's time for our favorite part of the evening the mushing hour, where uh-huh. wins become losses and losses become wins, where mm-hmm. we give you the hottest picks every single week. I've really cooled down. I was eight ga- games above 500, now I am two games below 500. Nick is four games above 500. He is thirty-one twenty-seven. I am 23 and 25 and one. So uh, again, with sports betting, if you can hit around 55% of your bets, it is a very, very good year and you are profitable. We only give 50, 50 picks or better. So the traditional money lines of, let's say, minus 105 or minus 110 or plus 100, plus 110, those are the vast majority of our picks. Now, you will occasionally see not me or Nick, but occasionally maybe some of our guests, give you, I don't know, not really a great one, maybe minus 200 or minus 210. We try to stay far, far away from that and only give you minus 110
0: picks or better. So with that being said, Nick, would you like to start the bushing hour? Indeed I would. And our first game of this slate is an interesting matchup in the SEC as we have Texas A&M after their close loss to Alabama, now going on the road to take on the 19th ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee into this game is a three-point favorite, the over-under 56-and-a-half for this one. Oh, man, do you
1: want me to start this off? Go
0: right ahead if you want to.
1: Give me the Aggies. They played a very, very close game (laughs) versus Alabama, and I think they're going to do it again. I have faith that Max Johnson is going to get this game on the road and maybe even put them back in the top 25. They're still getting votes, and if they beat Tennessee, I think they, depending on how the rest of the teams go, they slate these teams at 24 and 25. So give me the Aggies. Let's go, Aggies.
0: That's uh, Aggies man. plus three, by the way. That's what I figured you were going with. It's really tough for me to pick against a team like Texas a down because they're just so fun to root for. But it's tough Actually, going the into- improved offense too. Right. And I think the only issue I have with the going into this week is it's a tough matchup on the road going into Tennessee, really not easy to go into Knoxville and try to knock them off on the road. And not a lot of teams really do that. And that's where I really have an issue with taking them in this scheme. I think you'll see a good game out of Milton uh, the third. I I think he's having an up and down year, but he's gotten a lot better as of late. So I'm going to take Tennessee minus three to win this game and get another big conference win for them in the SEC East.
1: Okay, and what's your pick, Nick?
0: Tennessee minus three.
1: Ah, picking against
0: my Aggies. Okay, at least I, it's not a I, I I hate I hate to do it.
1: It's not a mush, because the only two picks when we agreed last week were both mushes when we were completely complete <laughs> sink. It, is, it is actually crazy how strong mush is. It is transmitted <laughs> through television, uh, through the ideas, maybe just thinking if we have the same thought, but we're not even saying it. Mush is contagious, and it has to be contained. All righty, then. Let's go to our next game. We have the Missouri Tigers on the road against the Kentucky Wildcats, number 24 in the nation, going into Lexington. Kentucky at home, minus two and a half point favorites, and 53 and a half is the slated over under.
0: Nick, give me your pick. Uh, I feel like this is it, it's such a close spread. It's pretty much, in my opinion, almost a pick them. And these are two defenses that got roughed up last week. Georgia put up 51 on Kentucky, Missouri gave up 49 against LSU. Um, when I see stuff like that, it really makes me inclined to take the over. I am going to take the over for this game. I really, in my opinion, if I had to pick between the two teams, I would most likely lean towards Kentucky winning this game. But I could see a lot of points being scored between the two teams. So I, therefore, will take the over for this one, as we'll see another high-flying SEC matchup. All right,
1: all right. We have some more high-flying matchups. Uh, Like in the over in this game, uh, usually that's reserved for Big 12 only, but uh, maybe not today.
0: SEC has been starting to get that way. That's what so happened in last, last I know. Weeks. It's, it's
1: getting really, really crazy. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't stay like that. Who knows? Maybe it will for, like, forever. But um, maybe it's just temporary. Who knows? Let's go into our next game. We have Rock Chalk Jayhawk, number 23 in the country, the Kansas Jayhawks, on the road going to Oklahoma State. Uh, even though we're on the road, KU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And the slated over-under is 58. I'm going to go with Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. They're going to go into Oklahoma State, and they're going to continue their uh, miraculous season, one of the best seasons they had since Mark Mangino was the head coach, and maybe even compete for a New Year's Six Bowl. Maybe. Maybe Kansas, minus three and a half.
0: Hey, listen, they started the year off great last season up until – The quarterback um, injury. Until they got their injury at quarterback. And to their credit, they've been playing with a backup again this season, and it's worked so far. And they have been staying – in competitive games, except for the Texas game, in which Texas really ran away with it in the second half. But this is a tough matchup against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State will definitely give them a fight. It's a three thirty game in Stillwater. Um, Oklahoma State's coming off a win against Kansas State in their last game. But I just like this Kansas team and what they bring about, and I really can't go against them. My only concern is now, Johnson, is that you've taken the three and a half. And I don't want to fully mush Kansas in take this Kansas game. Take Kansas
1: minus five, then take the alternative.
0: So, I am gonna go with Kansas minus seven. Kansas minus seven. I can I can live with that. I That's hate, not bad. I hate the line that I gave it for this, but minus five. I'm concerned with. I really think Oklahoma State could win this game too, and I don't want to be that person that just takes the minus three. You know, I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play very ballsy on this one. And go with Kansas to win this game by a touchdown
1: I like you know I I appreciate the tenacity you're not going to give them you're not going to commit to the full mush yep which is always great to see um but yeah I'm excited to see what they could possibly do like it's going to be a really good game and I'm excited for it okay now going into our second game or our fourth game our next game
0: (laughs) it's a game (sighs) It's a game,
1: and I saw this team pop up on the spreadsheet, and I don't want to talk about them, so I'm going to give it to you, Nick.
0: We have – and it's paid for me to say the other team because of what they did to my Syracuse Orange. 25th ranked Miami going on the road into Chapel Hill. They'll take on the number 12 North Carolina Tar Heels. Miami, we talked about having that really boneheaded loss to Georgia Tech, losing on the final play of the game to lose 23-20. to 20. North Carolina coming off an absolutely beat a huge beatdown over Syracuse, winning it forty to seven. Thankfully, I didn't watch that game, so I didn't have to uh, lose any more brain cells than I've already lost this pet this uh, this weekend with the amount of football that I've seen. So, in my opinion, I think you have a game where you have two really good quarterbacks. I think Tyler Van Dyke has been a solid quarterback for this Miami Hurricanes team, and we all know what Drake May brings to the table. Obviously, is a top prospect in the NFL draft. I think this could be another game where points are going to be scored a lot. So being that as it may, I'm going to take the over for this one as well. Um, I just think you're going to see two really good offenses playing in this one. We saw what happened with Miami early in the year against Texas A&M. You remember that game. Points were being scored mostly every drive of that game. And I think you're going to see another scenario happening for this one. A 3:30 game as well. Or oh, Actually, I'm sorry, a 7.30 game on ABC, so it's in I'm prime time. time. Both these teams are going to want to show out.
1: I can't believe we're about a Miami-North Carolina game being in prime time. This is how weird football's gotten in 2023. Right. But with that being said, give me UNC minus three and a half. I would take them minus seven, but I don't have to. Uh, for obvious reasons, I'm going to pick against Miami. Nothing against the players, but more so of the coach, because... Oof, That was a rough one last week, and uh, yeah. I, I just overall think a, they have a better team. I think Drake May is a better quarterback. They're, they're the home team. They're going to be in Chapel Hill. They don't have to go far. Uh, the fan base is coming out strong this year. It's going to be rocking there, so give me UNC minus three and a half. Now, our fifth game oh. of the slate. Let's talk about one of my favorite teams. We have number 18, UCLA, first time ranked this season. Chip Kelly takes his team. That is five and 5-1 on the year to Oregon State. Oregon State, which is also 5-1 and one on the year. Both fighting for supremacy in the Pac-12. The line is, um, I was going to say, Oklahoma State. Oregon State, minus 5. 53.5 is the slated over-under. I was originally going to pick Oregon State, minus 5. But being that this is a Pac-12 game and it's Oregon State and UCLA, give me the over. I think both these teams can score over 27 points on each other. So I I, I think that's uh, that's a given. But if I had to pick a winner, my unofficial pick, or my second unofficial pick,
0: would be Oregon State minus five, but give me the over at fifty three and a half points here. And you know what's funny about this Johnson? Because call me crazy. I'm actually thinking about to get the under for this game. Really, I would like to hear your you logic. UCLA, if you look at their last couple of games defensively, have been pitching some really solid games, especially against their last two. They gave up only seventeen to Washington State, and they gave up seven. They gave up fourteen in the loss to Utah in their last two conference games. Oregon State put up had to put up 52 to beat Cal because they gave up 40. Yes, I get that. But against Utah, they only gave up seven and they won that game 21 to 7. They gave up the 35 again a 38 against Washington State. So their defense has definitely been hit or miss. But the UCLA offense has also, in my opinion, been hit or miss this season. So being that as it is, I could see this being maybe a 27 to 24 final for either one of those teams and it being the under in that game you know, being at fifty three and a half, I can see it being like that, and it's just missing the over. So, I I'm gonna be crazy. I'm gonna take the under in a pack twelve game. The under in a pack twelve team. I don't I mean, think it's the first time sure done about this. this? I don't think it's the first time I've done that this season.
1: Like you could still go back and you know change your make change your choice
0: right now. You're not uh, locked in. Listen, I I already took Kansas minus seven. I'm going with the under in this game. I'm going very ballsy this week. This could really bite me in the ass, or this could make me look like a goddamn genius.
1: All right. Well, I hope it's the latter. I hope you're looking really smart after this week. But hey, you never know. I guess.
0: Well, for right, your sake well, it, Maybe you're. Maybe for your sake, not because you take the over. Uh, no comment.
1: All righty, then. Let's go to our next game. We're talking. We're staying in the Pac-12. This is a game that's going to have big, uh, a huge big,
0: implications. Yeah,
1: a, a really, really big. I was gonna say. Playoff implications, but just in general, in the Pac-12 and the
0: fight for supremacy, Pac-12 college football playoff. You can you name in, it. In the it it's the swan
1: song of the Pac-12. Uh, a matchup that we didn't think would have huge implications at the beginning of the year or at any point in, when the Pac-12 existed. It's going to have them. We have number eight Oregon on the road going into Washington. So they're just really crossing straight uh, state lines. Washington at home, minus three-point favorites. The over-under, of course, is a Pac-12 game, is slated at 67.5. That, to me, is crazy. That is so many points for a a game. I know it's Pac-12 football. I know there's no defense, but that, to me, is still way too high. But I'm not going to touch that. Give me Washington minus three to continue their destiny, or not their destiny, on their road to the college football playoffs. Can you imagine we get Washington in there? And the college football playoffs. Hey, it's remember... Like, it's looking like Washington, a real
0: possibility right now. Washington did make the college football playoff not too long ago. They did, they did. It was a different world, though. That That's true. That was the early, you know, renaissance of the college football playoff. But they did make it early on in the history of this college football playoff. So it would not be crazy to see that. This is just going to be a great game. I mean, a primetime game on ABC at 330. And look at the quarterback play we have in this one. Bo Nix has 15 touchdowns to one interception. Michael Penix Jr. has 16 touch, or yeah, 16 touchdowns to two interceptions. So these two quarterbacks do not turn over the ball. They've thrown a lot of yards on the season, and this could be a shootout. But you said it, the 67 and a half. That is very risky for this type of a game. Um, it's so tough because I really want to be that ballsy again and take the over. Because I could just see both these quarterbacks really putting out for their teams, both these teams and making sure they win.
1: Or 30, it would be 34 points apiece would be the minimum for both these teams to get the over. So you talk about, about maybe four touchdowns and a field goal or two from each of them. It's definitely possible, but I don't know. That's a little bit too much for me.
0: It would have to be a lot of you know quick scoring drives for both of these teams for it to happen, in my opinion. if there was, If the over was going to have a chance, I think it would just have to be... A lot of of five to eight play drives for these teams to have a chance to hit the over. So it's tough because I think, in my opinion, I can't pick a team to win because I think they're pretty much even. I think, in my opinion, I think these two teams are that close to each other in terms of talent. And I'm going to go. Do I have the balls to go two unders now in a Pac-12 game? I'm not going to tell you what to do. Or do I just say screw it? And take Oregon on the road. It's tough to take someone against Washington right now. Michael Penix is playing unbelievable for that team. He might be the he might be one of the top two in um, in Heisman candidacy right now because he's just he's just playing that good. Who sixty seven and a half points? This kind of reminds me Johnson too. By the way, of the Texas Tech matchup we had earlier in the year with Oregon. Oof, that was that, a wild one. I think that line was like 68 and a half, and I took the over, and it missed by a point, I think. Yep. Or half a point. It was so, very close. Whatever it was, it was uh, within
1: uh, within a score.
0: I... Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut on this one, and I'm going to take the under as well for this game. Going with the under? I'm going to I'm going to hate picking that because I really could see this being a high scoring game, but I could just see this being like a 33-30 final and that would be just enough. So I'm not I don't know who wins the game. I think it's just going to be that close. Um, if I had to personally pick, I probably actually think I'd take you Oregon on the road to win. But really, I'm okay. not. I'm, but I'm not too confident in doing that. So I will take the under for this one.
1: Okay, so we're taking the two unders in a Pac-12 game. I'm I'm too stunned to
0: speak right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speechless myself. I can't believe I'm doing this, but why why not? I'm going
1: to consider this to be a third Pac-12 game because you know what? One... Team doesn't have a conference here, and one is a Pac-12 team. So, hey, look, a third Pac-12 team. All right, uh, we have number ten USC on the road going into South Bend, Indiana, taking on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame now that their season is over, they're looking to just turn turn up the gas. Now we I have Notre play Dame.
0: Spoiler.
1: Yep, play spoiler. I love I love team. I love when teams play spoiler. Really gets the blood going. All right, we have Notre Dame at home, minus two and a half point favorites, and the over under is slated at sixty two and a half. Um, like we said, Notre Dame's going to play spoiler and they want to play for at least a New York, a New Year's six bowl at this point. So give me Notre Dame minus two and a half. Um, I realize they look pretty bad against Louisville, but like we said, they've looked very good this season so far. And USC also looked like complete trash against Arizona. So, um, have you, if you have, if you guys have ever seen the video of two clowns fighting in a parking lot, this is the reincarnation this, this, of that video. This is the game. This is the game.
0: You know what's funny about this game for me? It's such a different contrast of styles because Notre Dame has had such a bad season offensively, especially these last couple of games. And then USC has had some good offensive games, but their defense has been so bad. So it it makes me wonder, what's going to happen in this game? Is USC going to make Notre Dame's offense look really good in this game and make them look like the offense that a lot of people expected to be this season? Or is USC going to have their best defensive game in maybe decades and really have themselves a good showing against Notre Dame? It's a road game for the Trojans. I, you know, it's going to be tough because Notre Dame is the favorite and I'm kind of stunned that Notre Dame is the favorite. I think just being the home team maybe helps them. But also considering the fact that USC almost lost to Arizona, I think is why that the line is at its current spot. I can't touch the over-under in this one because I have no faith in either Notre Dame's offense or USC's defense to make that type of play. So I won't go ballsy in that one. I will go with USC, and now I debate on where I want to go money line or with the plus two and a half. I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go plus three because I could see them losing. Buy a last-second field goal, but I also could just see them winning this one outright. I, I can't believe
1: have... you modified the uh, the line to make it minus one ten to minus one twenty. How dare you!
0: I know I'm such how a. How dare scumbag. you
1: buy that half point? Unbelievable! Such a
0: I didn't do it. I, I said I wasn't going to do it earlier for one of the other games, and I said, you know what? Screw so it. I'm the doing line, it for but... this one.
1: In all seriousness, you can probably get that line on four different sports book. This is probably the most common one, though. But so I that's, will... how, that's how we run things.
0: But I will say, if I had to bet, I might take USC just straight up because I really have lost faith in Notre Dame after what happened in Louisville. But USC can't afford. I mean, they they lose the game, they're out of the college football playoff race. It's done for them. They have to know that they have to win this game to have any hope for the rest of the season. So they cannot afford to lose at Notre Dame.
1: I mean, listen, they can't afford to lose it, but uh, oof, I think it might happen.
0: I, I think it's very possible, but. I don't know. That's why that's why so much uncertainty is right now with this college football season, especially after what happened this past weekend with Notre Dame and Texas losing. But we have a big week in week number 7 with some of these big time games and it's going to lead to a whole, you know, wavelength or um time ripple of what could happen for the rest of the season going into week 8 and so on forth. There's obviously going to be a shake up in the top 10 and even in the whole top 25 after this weekend with the two top, with the one top 10 matchup and with USC and Notre Dame playing. And who knows what else could happen. Maybe we could have another, uh, a major upset that we haven't spoke about in this game because we had a couple teams this past week in the top 10 start off slow and were able to, you know, eventually make their way and win their games. So some of these top 10 teams have been struggling, and we could maybe see a major upset happen, sooner rather than later, but I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when we recap this week number seven and then preview our week eight because we're almost near conference championship week and we're then we'll the find out. Now. Exactly, and we're right at that point where we're going to finally figure out who are those top four teams in the nation that will be playing for a national championship this season. So it certainly will be some fun times in this college football world. But... That is going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. A crazy week number six in the college football world, leading to a big shakeup in the polls and in the entire state of some of these conferences in which who will make the respective conference championship games and making it into that college football playoff. What will happen in week number seven with some of these big time games coming up? And what will our college football state look like going into week number eight? This has been Nicholas Favona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.